Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today is one of my favorite conversations that we have had today. I got to talk to Abby Turner. She is the food blogger and writer behind A Tabletop Affair. And we talk about her new book. It's a cookbook, but it also has devotions and it's called The Living Table, Recipes and Devotions for Everyday Get-Togethers. Y'all, this conversation, we talk about hospitality and how it's not just a spiritual gift, but every single one of us. And we talk about approachable hospitality and just all the things, but you, you got to listen to this conversation, friends. It's so good. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So to start, let me tell you guys listening, I'm in South Central Kansas and today we are having a lot of like severe weather, which in Kansas means tornadoes. We're in a little break right now in weather, so it's not raining right now, but you might hear some thunder or the conversation could get very interesting. <laughs> I did I did tell my mom, I said, text me if a tornado is coming and I need to cut an interview short. So... <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully we're good, but just wanted to say FYI, you might hear some thunder or something, but we're all good. So Abby, to start, would you just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so I'm Abby. I live in Northwest Arkansas. I have a blog, a tabletop affair where I just have this passion of bringing people and food together. I am not a cook. I'm not a trained culinary chef, but I do love to make really easy recipes. Most of my recipes are 30 minutes. They are one pot. They are easy cleanup. And so um, I have just kind of made a brand out of, hey, what's really easy and approachable? Um, Because Instagram and Pinterest and social media just make it um, so hard for us to feel like we can be confident or do anything in the kitchen, right? Um, Unless we're Paula Deen or Martha Stewart or name your favorite Food Network star. Um, And so I really went on this journey. I started this journey about six years ago, learning about the table and learning just like what God has prepared for us at the table and how important the table is in our conversations with others, but also in our relationship with Christ. And so I wrote a book that is now out the living table. You can go and check that out. But, um, and it is all about, it's filled with recipes. So it's a cookbook, but it also has six devotionals in it and a pretty lengthy introduction about myself. Um, but those, those devotions are all about different tables that we, we find in scripture, the table that serves and the table that welcomes and how we can begin to integrate those into our own life and bring people around those different tables. I love that. Okay, so tell me about the moment you said you weren't a cook. So it was what not. moment in your life where you like, I'm gonna start a food blog. How did that yeah. play out? <laughs> yeah, so I my side gig is I guess this blog and this book and just my passion for Jesus and bringing people around my table. But my real job is my nine to five is at Walmart. And I'm at the headquarters. I was in food marketing for three or four years. And I was on photo shoots with food stylists and photographers, and they were some of the best in the business. And I just began learning their art. And then I would bring that home. I've always kind of had a knack for just making things easier. So I, I would see a chicken recipe and I'd be like, Oh, I can do that easier. I'm not really good at following recipes. And so a lot of things are just trial and error. And so I share the best of the best on the blog. But I started coming home from these photo shoots and being like, I could take pictures of my food. Like, let me see if I can do that. And so I started posting on Instagram. Then people were like, can I have your recipe? So it kind of just evolved from there. But the reason I started taking pictures of my food at home was because I was trying 
to be intentional with the food stylists and the photographers on set. I wanted to learn their art. I wanted to be involved in their process um, because they were not Christians. They did not believe. And so that is the best way that I have found to bring someone to Christ is to to walk where they walk, to be where they mm-hmm. are. I think that that's how Jesus led his ministry. And so it almost started out of a heart of kind of evangelism of like, I want to learn what their craft is so that I can better know them and I can better understand them and I can better communicate and connect with them. And then it kind of went on from there to something completely different. (laughs) That is so cool. That is the coolest story. But also like side note, how cool is God that he uses like things like that? Like we don't just have to stand on a stage and preach to people. Like let's start a food blog. And that even walks with people. That's really cool. So, okay. The title of the cookbook, The Living Table, will you explain the name behind that a little? Yeah. So the living table is what it means. I don't believe that the table is just supposed to be this stagnant piece of furniture in our houses that doesn't ever get used or is just, you know, kind of dead to the side, holding our soccer shoes or purses or bills or laundry. I fold my laundry there because I'm in a small apartment. But I, I believe that it's supposed to be this kind of living vessel that God uses to connect us with people. And he says, hey, be in a posture of obedience, come to the table, and I'm going to I'm gonna be there too. Um, I am going, you're going to experience the presence of God there. And I want people to see that. I've experienced that. I've experienced how God uses the table to connect and rebuild relationships. He uses that to um, mend brokenness and really provide that peace and that comfort that we get from only Him. And so to hear that and to, to understand it and to experience it, like it's something that, I mean, you know, this, we all know this when we experience God and just like, we get to taste his goodness, we can't help but share it with others. And that's what I I want people to, to come to the table. And a lot of times we are intimidated to come to the table because we don't know what to cook or we don't know what to prepare, or we don't think we're good enough. The enemy loves to tell us that, Hey, you're not good enough. Um, you need to be alone. Uh, nobody will want to come to your house, but the cookbook is all about these easy recipes. It's even a little bit kind of, it's, it's ironic that it's called a cookbook because a lot of it is like, take this store-bought name, the ingredient and add this <laughs> to it. And voila, there's an, there's a no-bake cheesecake in the book. And it the reason it's a no-bake cheesecake is because you buy the cheesecake. And so, <laughs> you know, it's like little tips and tricks on how you can bring people to the table with really easy recipes and not put a ton of effort behind it, but know that it's about the people, not the preparation. We're not supposed to be in the kitchen. Just like Martha, we're supposed to be with the people like Mary. I love that so much. We were talking a little bit before the interview started about how like this book is so close to the the chapter in my book about hospitality. But I know yeah. for me, I had always viewed hospitality as unattainable. My house was yeah. not good enough. I live in a hundred year old farmhouse. Like, oh, you know, I, I've got three little kids. Like my house is not spotless. Um, You know, all these things. And I had one moment that changed my view on hospitality when a friend who lived across the country was going to be traveling through. And she said, can we stay with you? Well, you can't say no, you know, and we had just moved into our house and I had so much anxiety about my house is not good enough. Nothing about this is going to be good enough. And we had the best time. And after that, it changed my whole view about, it's not about the house. It's about how we love the people in our house. But I'm curious, what do you find when talking to people? How do most people view hospitality? 
Yeah. They view it as a spiritual gift that you either have it or you don't. And I absolutely believe that it's a hospital, that it's a spiritual gift. Um, it's that's scriptural, but I also believe that it is a discipline and it is a spiritual discipline that connects us with Christ. And it is how Jesus led his ministry. If, if Paul wrote, we are to be imitators of Christ, then we need to be imitators of Christ. How did he mm-hmm. lead his ministry? The first thing he did when he started his ministry was he found his people. If you have not found your people, you need to find your people. And then what did he do? He was intentional with the people that he ran into. Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, like he was always inviting himself into their home or he was creating a space for them to eat. Look at the first potluck, the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, yeah. he was always saying food attracts people. And then while they're eating, let's love them and serve them and and bring them Christ. And so bring them this message of hope and of, of peace. And so I think that when I, when I talk to people and they say, Oh, but hospitality is not my spiritual gift. I'm like, no, no, we can all serve and love others. And I believe that God calls us to love and serve others. If we're supposed to imitate Christ, we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be inviting them into our homes. Um, I love the verse in Hebrews that says we cannot forget to gather as a community because so many are forgetting that. Um, we can't neglect it because if we neglect it, then we are directly contradicting ourselves against what the gospel is all about. And yeah. so um, that's kind of my message to those that think that they can't do hospitality. That's like, nah, it's not, it's not a decision. Like, yeah, you can say, I don't want to do it, but then are you really living out the gospel and hospitality and hosting kind of get those terms, get tossed around hospitality is like this. How do you define hospitality where hosting is like, you want to impress people. Hospitality is where you just serve them without the impress, you know, without trying to impress them of my house is perfect or everything's clean, but it's, it's living life. It's doing life with others, bringing them in, making them feel welcome, loving and serving them through the mountains and the valleys. That, yeah, preach. <laughs> you are my yeah. people. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is so good. Okay, so you encourage people to practice approachable hospitality. Yeah. So what is that? How can we make hospitality seem not so scary if we've been saying, well, that's not one of my gifts, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying and I do need to do that. Yeah, so the first thing you do, clear off your table. If your table is not clear, you're not putting yourself in a posture to receive God. So clear off your table, make sure those seats are around that table. If it's a card table, if it's a, I had someone um, email me the other day and say, I don't have enough room in my in my apartment for a table. And you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, is my apartment too small for the table that I want? Or will a table just a small two leaf table fit? Um, or am I really, is it more of an internal thing of, I just need to be okay with where I'm at and I'm in this small apartment and that's okay. Uh, so clear off your table, make sure that your table is ready to receive God and to invite people in. And then the next thing you just have to invite people in. When you begin to focus so much on the preparation of like, my home has to be perfect. The toys have to be picked up. The kids have to be quiet. The dogs can't shed. The, like you name your your situation. Mm-hmm. There will be a situation because the enemy is the king of situations and excuses. And so mm-hmm. when you begin to shift your mindset to, nah, I want them to come into my mess because when I invite them into the mess, I'm being vulnerable with them. I'm creating a, an open space where they can be intimate. And that intimacy is what's going to what is going to connect our hearts and build a, a divine bond between people. And so making sure that your that your mindset is one of 
okay, I, I just want to be here. I want to be here with you. And whether you make a meal or you order dominoes or you just have coffee and unsweet tea, whatever your thing is, do it. And if you don't know what to do, pray the spirit will lead you to do that because that is what the spirit wants us. The spirit wants us to connect with others. The spirit does not want us to live life alone. The spirit wants us to be in community with others. And when we're in community with others, we give him the opportunity to kind of work and we give him space to move. And all he needs us to do is open the door. Mm. Okay. Because I know we're going to get this question. I'm just going to go ahead and ask you. So if someone's like, well, I don't know how to invite people. How do I invite someone over without sounding like a creeper or something? Or, you know, if, if I'm really awkward, how can I invite someone in? where it feels natural and not like, you know, so forced or maybe awkward. Okay. So I live in a community that is very similar to most of Southern America. My sister, I'm going to use my sister as an example. She lives in New York City in a high rise in an apartment building. And she has four neighbors on her floor. And for Easter, she wanted to invite people into her home, but she didn't know them. And she was like, okay, well, I don't know if they're Christian. I don't know if they're celebrating Easter, you know, with COVID. I don't know if they want to come over. Like, I just, I don't know. And so I said, how about this? She really wanted to take them coffee. But if you're a coffee connoisseur, like I would like to think that I am, there is oat milk, there's coconut milk, there's soy, there's 2%, there's (laughs) half an hour. I mean, people do their coffee completely different. And so I said, hey, what if you took them a baked good? and said, I'm having coffee in my house. I would love to have you over for coffee. But if not, happy Easter and here's a baked good. So you start by going to where they're they're comfortable. They're comfortable in their own space. And so you, you invite them over by going to where they are. Is that not what Jesus mm. did? He went yeah. to where the people were and then said, come with me. And I think that if we use that mentality, it's not just, hey, walk up to somebody in home goods and say, hey, come over and have dinner with me. But no, if you're at your work, get to know, be intentional with people at your work. Say, hey, I made this, I made pumpkin bread. I would love to have you over sometime, but here's some pumpkin bread. Enjoy this. And then you've opened up that space of community with them because now you've approached them with something that benefits them, that that loves them, that serves them with, you know, this food item or, hey, come over, let's play game night. Game nights are like so easy. Summer movie nights, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Would you go so far as to say hospitality is changing lives and that the oh, absolutely. having the discipline... Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. How have you seen God move around a table? Yeah. So I, for me, the table has opened up so many conversations, so many deep, deep seated, deep rooted conversations, like to the heart of issues with friends. Um, Working at Walmart, you're not, I'm not working in a church. So I'm Mm -hmm. not working with a bunch of people that believe what I believe. Um, But bringing people to the table, I have seen God move and God open minds and God open, just open people's eyes to how God could be moving in their life. Um, I had lunch with a friend after church a couple of weeks ago, and she is new to church and she came over and she's told me a couple of things that she struggles with. And the pastor in God's divine, divine authority spoke to very briefly something she had mentioned to me. And we were sitting at lunch and she goes, Hey, it was cool that he talked about that today. Did you know he was going to talk about that? I was like, mm, I didn't. 
And I said, that's the spirit. And he was, yeah. she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And she was like, the Holy Spirit was talking to me today. <laughs> and it was so cool. Like we would not have had that conversation in a car. We would not have had that conversation shopping at a store. We had that conversation around a table because it is a divine conversation. God was in the middle of that conversation and opened her heart to say, hey, did you hear that? He was talking to me. That was cool. And so then we got to talk and we, I got to share how God wants to continue having those conversations with her. God wants to be a part of that conversation. And so, it, I mean, it was just so neat to be sitting. I mean, and that is one of many. And that just, that just happened a couple of weeks ago. But it's because you invite somebody over. You bring somebody into your space, into your mess. And then they feel comfortable enough to say, oh, if this is your mess, I can share my mess. Mm. Yeah, I know when I was talking about hospitality, I kind of brought up the point of if we're trying to be perfect when someone comes into our home, that's not relatable. And they're going to feel like, well, to follow Jesus, I have to be as perfect as them. And that's not attainable. So that's doing more harm than just being the mess that we are. Because if they come in and they say, well, you don't have it all together. You've got you got toys on your floor. You've got this going on, but you still love Jesus. And I still see how God is moving in your life. Well, I don't have my stuff all together either. So I think that's a really big encouragement to people too, of we're more relatable when we're not trying to pretend like we have it all together. And there is one question that I get asked all the time when people come over to my house and they say, Hey, you know, if it's perfect, if the dishes are out of the sink, there's one question they always ask and it's, do you have a coaster? I'm like, a coaster? No, why? Because everything looks perfect. But when I have dishes in the sink, when the pillows aren't perfectly on the couch, when my dogs are running crazy, I don't have kids. When my dogs are running crazy, they put their iced tea straight on the whatever table I have. And they don't ask for the coaster. And I think that that is, that is our mind. That is That's how God, interesting. Like, isn't that so interesting how, how we are wired when we see perfection, we need to step up to the plate and be perfect as well. Mm-hmm. But when perfection is off the table, we can be our whole authentic self. And that's where true transformation happens. Wow. Okay. So is there like, is there one thing that sticks out the most when people are telling you all the reasons that they're not good at hospitality or why they can't? Is there one reason that always seems to rise to the top? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I, one, I'm not good enough. Like they're not going to want to come to my house, but it, the one I hear the most is people are too busy. They don't, they don't have time for me. And I hate that the enemy uses that line more often with women than not because he wants to keep us isolated. He wants to keep us alone. It's not your talent. It's not the food's not good. It's not all of these other factors. It's hitting to the core of who you are. It's that people aren't going to want to come spend time with me. And whoo, girl, we have, the enemy has worked overtime in the last 18 months to keep us away from each other. And it is time that we step up to the plate and reclaim that table and say, no, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand by and say that I'm not good enough anymore or that, that people don't want to come over to my house. No, if you have that thought, I guarantee there is one person in your very close circle that you see very often that is thinking the same thing. They don't want to come over to my house. I have a friend that has three boys all under the age of 10. She's married. I'm single. I have kids. And so inviting them to my house, well, inviting her to my house on a weeknight or on a Saturday or 
you know, I'm free like every night of the week. So, so <laughs> any night of the week, she's like, well, let me check with my kids. Let me check with my husband. So I started going, Hey, I'm bringing, I'm, you know, making this chicken dinner. Can I come over and make it at your house? So then I make it at her house. I make it with her three kids and her husband. And so then we're all sitting down and having dinner together and she's included, but she also feels like her family's included. And sometimes that's all you need. Like she wants to come over and she wants to hang out so, so badly, but she can't because of her circumstances, which totally get three kids under 10 every Mm -hmm. night is chaotic. But when I step into her space, she's like, oh my gosh, I needed this so badly. Thank you for coming into my space. So maybe it's not even opening your door. Maybe it's opening someone else's door and saying, hey, I just want to be around you. Can I come over? I'm bringing dinner. Let's eat. Let's chat. Um, So, you know, don't... What I really hope that people hear is that it's not about this one template of hospitality. Hospitality is loving others where they are, not where we want them to be or not where we we want to be. It's where we are. Um, and, and that could look like a bunch of different things. Going to people's houses, bringing them to yours, going to a coffee shop and sitting around a table at a coffee shop. I I think that that's how Jesus did his ministry around a bunch of different tables in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And I, I'm the first to admit I've, I've believed that lie before of, well, they don't want to have, they don't have time for me. You know, we all have. Yeah. Yeah. But I also recognize what I tend to fall into is I don't have time, which is kind of the opposite or I'm too busy. We have too much going on when in reality, Oh, I could make time. You know, like my family's sitting down to supper anyway. Why can't a couple more people join? So I think that's also another aspect of it is sometimes checking our hearts and saying, well, do we really not have time or do we just not want to make ourselves uncomfortable by extending the invitation? You know, and I think a component of that, people that have kids, you're already sitting down feeding kids. What if you began this discipline of hospitality in your kids and you began teaching your kids hospitality by saying, hey, if you love your friend, we love them too. And we want them at this table. So what if you began to cultivate this, this mindset of hospitality in the next generation by saying, Hey, invite your friends over tonight. You're already making spaghetti. You're go- you know, you're going to have leftovers. <laughs> you know, you always have leftovers with spaghetti. Always have leftovers. Bring a couple of kids over. Yeah. Let's have some intentional conversations. Let's make sure that this table is known as a table where anyone can come sit. Anyone can be a part of the conversation and connections and deep relationships are formed. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay. Switching gears a little bit. Yeah. The recipe part of the cookbook. Yeah. It feels like they're going to be my kind of recipes. So they're yeah, all they're, they're like really simple. Easy. <laughs> I don't need to go to like culinary school to, no. to be able to make them. Now... I will say there are a couple of recipes that, you know, you have to throw in there, like for your credibility to be a (laughs) cookbook author. Um, So there's a sweet potato quiche that has spinach and feta in it. That is unbelievable. It takes two hours. It is, it is so good. So if you're going to do like afternoon brunch and you don't want to wake up at like 5am to like (laughs) slice your sweet potatoes, fantastic. You can always cook it ahead of time and put foil over it and stick it back in, you know, like par bake it and put it back in the oven. But 
that one does take a long time. There's a bread in there. Um, it's an easy bread. It uses beer instead of yeast. And so it activates while it cooks instead of prior. Um, so if you want to like, if you didn't make bread during COVID, you can make this bread. Um, <laughs> and then there is a marshmallow that is a uh, quite difficult, you know, it's kind of like making toffee or candy or mm-hmm. fudge. Everything in the atmosphere has to be perfect <laughs> for it to work oh. out. Yeah. So, um, but those are, those are probably the hardest recipes in the book, but everything else is super easy. What's your favorite recipe from the book? Mm, Probably that sweet potato quiche. Uh, you know, but that's like choosing your favorite kid. It's hard and it's different (laughs) days. Yeah. It depends on different ways. Yeah. It depends on the day. There is a jalapeno popper dip in there. I'm not a spicy person. If you follow my Instagram over at a tabletop affair, it is filled with bland food. No, it's not bland. But I, I uh, tried spicy pig ears last night. And I had them bring me like almost an entire loaf of white bread because I could not get the spice out of my mouth fast enough. And my friend was like, Abby, this isn't even spicy. And I was like, this is oh. horrible. Um, so, but the jalapeno popper dip is amazing. Hands down, one of the best dips in the uh, cookbook. Um, and then I really like easy pop pockets, easy like dinner items, fast dinner items. And mm-hmm. so I have two pop pockets in or hot pockets or whatever you call them in the cookbook made with puff pastry. One is a barbecue and then one is a pesto chicken. And both of those are really tasty. Oh my goodness. That sounds so good. I'm getting hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. This right is up my alley. Welcome to my life. I talk about food and I write about food and I cook food all day, every day. And so it is very much like I'm always like always hungry. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Okay, so you also included a hosting handbook at yeah, the beginning. Okay, will you talk about that a little bit? What's in there? Yeah, so in the first I guess there's an introduction and then there's the hosting handbook, maybe 8 pages of just how many drinks should you have if you're inviting 8 people over? Like do you just need one soda or do you need two sodas? Um, like what's best when you are like from a pantry perspective, like what's best to keep in your pantry. Um, and I put a couple of things, like, if you know, you have a lot of unexpected guests, um, then these are kind of my go-to staples. I always have crescent rolls. I always have, you know, different like brownie bites, stuff like that. Uh, always have individual cups of ice cream. Um, I also go into how to like set the table for different things. So like if you are, you know, having a cocktail hour or kind of like an appetizer hour versus a dinner, or if you're having an afternoon brunch, like what are all of the different things that you should be prepared for? Um, oftentimes I think that we are stuck to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we don't know how to host outside of that. And so because the cookbook is recipes and devotions for the everyday get together, a get together doesn't necessarily have to be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It can be anything in between that. And so really wanted to set everyone up for success to say, Hey, it's easy to have four to six people over from five to 6 PM. And this is what I would serve. Or if you had eight people over from seven to nine, this is what you would serve. So okay. just kind of like those tips and tricks. That's helpful. I'm sure people are loving that aspect of yes. it, of the nitty gritty. Here's yeah. what you need. Here's how you do it. This... Let's just get down. Let's just get down to the rules. These are the rules. Yes. <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey friends, we're just taking a short break. I want to tell you real quick about the Dwell app. Dwell is a Bible app that I have been using and I have absolutely fallen in love with it. It has changed the way that I am 
listening and reading and soaking in scripture. Dwell has built the most beautiful reading and listening experience for the scriptures. They have all of these handpicked voices that engage and inspire you. And you can even listen to background music as you're listening to the scriptures. I'll tell you that my favorite way to listen currently is I listen to the Felix voice with background music. And I don't know why, but I am remembering the scriptures so much better. One of the coolest things about Dwell is their new read-along experience. If you've ever seen Apple Music's lyrics feature, then that's exactly what you can expect from Dwell's read-along feature. They also have listening plans, playlists, sleep timers, and so much more. But I am telling you, you are going to love the Dwell app as much as I do. And they were kind enough to give our listeners a discount. So if you go to dwellapp.io slash boldly pursuing, you can get 10% off of a yearly subscription or 33% off of Dwell for life. That is a $50 discount. So I encourage you guys go get this app, try it out. You are going to love it. Again, just go to dwellapp.io slash boldly pursuing. And now back to our conversation. So, okay. I'm really curious. Do you think Pinterest has hurt or helped people with hospitality or both, I guess? Yeah. I, you know what? I think Pinterest, both in a way, I think Pinterest has opened our minds up to how many different varieties there are to different recipes that it's not just, you have to master the art of fine French cooking in order to serve dinner. Um, But I also think that it has created this stereotype of perfection. I, you know, I think that when Pinterest went through that whole cultural moment of Pinterest, though, this is a Pinterest fail. It was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but with most things, when you say the word fail, it kind of cuts a little bit deeper. E- even if we like to mask that, it cuts a little bit deeper than the joke um, on the on the surface. And so I think Pinterest really has hurt us as a society of, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. It's not going to look good, good like that. I mean, I get people that make the recipes that are in the cookbook today and they're like, Oh, but it doesn't look like yours. It was a fail. I was like, no, I'm a food stylist. Like if you were a food stylist, like my outfits don't look like a fashion stylist. That's okay because I'm not a fashion stylist. And so like, I'm not a makeup artist. So my makeup doesn't look like a makeup artist did it. Uh, That's okay. But for some reason, we think our food has to look like it's magazine worthy. It's like Pinterest perfect. And it's like, no, it doesn't. And so it's this kind of mentality that we've, we've taught ourselves and we believed over the course of the last, what, eight, 10 years. And it's going to be a hard habit to break, but it's a, it's a habit that when we, when we do break it and we finally seek um, freedom from that, that kind of bondage of perfection, it's like, gosh, it's, it's about the people. It is not about perfection. So many people ask me about charcuterie and they're like, oh, but it doesn't, my pepperonis don't look like flowers. And I'm like, people (laughs) are going to eat them. Like you don't need, what did mom always tell you? Don't play with your food. Don't make flowers out of pepperonis. People are going to eat them. And it's going to, the board kind of looks messy after 0.2 seconds of being out there and being in people's hands. And so I think that um, as many times as you can hear that, it does not have to be perfect. It just has to be about the people. Um, Then I think we can begin to kind of shift and be difference makers. Yeah, that's hilarious. Literally last night, I watched a huge Instagram influencer show people how to make pepperoni, pepperoni roses for their charcuterie yeah. boards last night. Yeah. And I was it's like, thing. 
It, I, I had no idea. I was like, it's a thing. Why does your, why does your meat look like a rose? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was great. But yeah, so that's funny. I had a charcuterie class a couple weeks ago that I did. And I like when I do charcuterie, I like throw things on the board because Mm -hmm. like people just want to eat it. And they're like, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what cheese that is. Okay, taste it. If you don't like it, don't get another piece. (laughs) They were like, I need to know what pairs well. And I was like, when in your life have you tried to pair something together? Exactly. Don't start with charcuterie. Don't pretend. Don't don't pretend. (laughs) Just pick a meat, pick a cheese, pick a cracker. Yeah. If it's yellow, it's probably cheddar. If it's white, it's probably white cheddar. <laughs> We're not fancy. Come on. How many oh, fancy man. people? Probably not many. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's great. So, okay. Then based on everything you're saying, we don't even have to cook if we don't want to do it. I mean, can we order pizza no. and have paper plates and get the same yeah. same result of around the table? Yeah. So I will say that my mom taught me this, that there is something unique and something that like is, is it's more heartfelt if you make it. So I do think that there's like an added level of, oh, that's so sweet. You made me dinner mm-hmm. versus like, oh, that's so sweet. You bought me a $10 pizza. Like <laughs> nobody says that. Right. And so I, th- I do think that there is uh, something that's a little bit different. I, there are a couple of chapters in the book. There's a sip and see. There is a, um, uh, new neighbor. There's new neighbors in the neighborhood or something like that. And then there is a newborn meal train. And I, I love that we, at least my, um, what I see in, in my neck of the woods, um, people are doing bite squad or door dash, or they're sending food from different restaurants in town to the newborn families or the new neighbors in the neighborhood. And when you make a meal and you take a meal, it's amazing how much more appreciative the family is of like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for spending all this time. It's, it's almost like it's more intentional and it tells them how much you value them. And so, yes, if we are starting at the foundation and you do not ever invite people into your home and you are never in the kitchen, one, you need to pick up my cookbook because it'll change your life. (laughs) Two, let's start with just cleaning off the table and ordering a pizza. But know that the next step is that I'm going to want you to make a dip or I'm going to want you to make a meal with your Mm -hmm. friends. And it doesn't have to be perfect. My first meal was cheesy tortellini. If you know anything about pasta, tortellini has cheese inside of it. And it does not need cheese on top of it. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, it Tortellini needs like pesto or olive oil or marinara. It does not need more cheese. And it was horrible. But that girl came back to my house the next week. In fact, she invited herself back over for dinner. I was like, that meal was so bad. And she was like, I mean, but it was fun eating a bad meal with you. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. So yeah. then... One person turned into two people, turned into six people, turned into a Bible study. I mean, it was amazing how God kind of like used that mess to to build something better out of it. Because isn't God just sovereign like that? Mm-hmm. He likes to take all of our screw ups and say, no, nah, I can use that for good. I'm going mm-hmm. to use that for good. It's not a question. And so I just need you to kind of be ready and be open and be obedient to to making a meal, to inviting people over. But if you have never been in the kitchen before, buy my cookbook because just like that no-bake cheesecake, literally, I think step one is buy the cheesecake. Step two is put fruit on the cheesecake. (laughs) Perfect. Literally perfect. Yes. 
And I will say just to encourage someone out there that I, I was the person that was really bad at hospitality. And I will say the more you embrace simple, approachable hospitality, it gets so much easier. It's so scary the first couple of times, but I think if you just know, do it anyway, just be obedient anyway, and just do it. Even if you're scared or nervous or worried about what you're going to cook, it gets easier. Well, and that's, that's the point of a discipline. You don't say I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. And then you run a marathon tomorrow. You have to buy the shoes. And then you have to buy the Garmin watcher. I don't run. So I'm guessing that's what people buy. And then they start running, but they don't run them 20 whatever miles it is. They run one mile, they walk one mile, they do it over, over time. And they build the discipline of running a marathon. So let's step back. Let's learn how to run the marathon. And just like it's, let's buy the shoes, let's clean the table off and let's start working one week after another. And it, like you said, it's going to become so much simpler. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, to end, tell everyone where can they get yeah. the book? They need to go get it. The cover is gorgeous. Thank you. It, it's beautiful. I cannot wait to dive into it. So yeah. tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find the book, all the things. Yeah. So I'm over on every social media, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, a tabletop affair. So on everything, a tabletop you can sign up for my newsletter. I send recipes out. Um, and I have cooking classes. You can find those on Instagram. Um, but you can find the book on Amazon, Walmart, Target. It's all wherever books are sold kind of online. Um, and then Barnes and Noble obviously is carrying it in the Christian section. I was told it's not in the cookbook section is that over in the, the Christian section. So if you're in a Barnes and Noble, that's where you need to go find it. <laughs> all right. Oh, Abby, thank you so much. This was it's such a fun, so fun conversation. It really was. Thank you for having me. Thank you.